One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we are back once again from our respective TMO shipping containers to bring you another week of, well, rugby chat, but not chat about rugby so much this week. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll explain more in a minute. JB, good evening. Good evening, Tim Cocker. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm Phil in a, in a resplendent, in a beautiful Stade Francais jersey there. Hello, Tim. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's not, so, it's not quite the same shade of blue as the, uh, the electric blue from 2001, but it's close. It's outstanding. Uh, so, well, just catch up on the week. Firstly, your, uh, your good wives um, on the front line there. Yeah, still saving lives, uh, still working unbelievably hard um, and still doing a tremendous, tremendous job in very difficult conditions. <laughs> JP does one <laughs> sorry, yeah, been to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, sorry. So um, my wife has not been working so hard this week because she's awaiting the, the results of a coronavirus test, COVID nineteen. Sorry, a China flu test. <laughs> um, and thankfully, it came back negative. Uh, so the whole household is not on. What about thirty percent of the tests are false negatives? Brilliant. So yeah. that's what we need to hear. Yeah. yeah, so testing's so a scandal. We've we've also had a a scare and a negative test um, with uh, young Thomas. Actually, got tested oh. on Friday because he was high temperature, bad cough, um, very un very very unwell actually, um, but negative. And since then, has made a a reasonable recovery. So all's well. Yeah, and and in your week, anything to report? Anything particularly noteworthy going on? Uh, I, I um, seeing as we've spoken about exercise and stuff over the past few weeks, I ran my first ever half marathon earlier today. Did uh, you? Yeah. I, I kind of have always hated long distance running, but seeing as I've been on lockdown, I've kind of got into it a little bit more. Um, I, hated, I hated the full hour and 40 minutes of it, but I got through it. Oh, that's remarkable! That's a decent. That's a decent time. That hour, hour and thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, it's good. Um, Bloody hell! Not for me, thank you. Yeah, I've yeah, been it's pretty running con- continual five k's throughout the week. I built myself a little home, little home CrossFit box. I'm loving it with your kettlebells and your chin-up bar. Kettlebells, chin-up bar. Got some resistance band, resistance bands in. I am incredibly weak. Incredibly <laughs> yeah. weak. Yeah. I'm so. Uh, I actually bought this book by this couple of calisthenics guys. They, this online book, and it's like it's a sort of a 16 week course. And I bought it at the very start of this, thinking, right, well, I'll get the pull up bar done, and then I'll just do that. And um, but unfortunately, I I, I, can't, I can't get a builder to put my pull pull up bar up. 
So I've just got. I've just got this pull-up bar, and I, I'm not going to put it up on the back of my house because no, anyway, I, I'll I'll ruin it. Don't trust yeah, myself. But uh, but this week, my my update is I got my Zwift turbo trainer pro- properly working. Did um did f- uh, 45 kilometers earlier today. It's good. It's what, really what, good. What's a turbo trainer? It's like a, it just makes your bike stat- a static bike, and then you can l- get these little sensors on your bike, and it and it works out the it works out how hard you're working oh. and, and, and translates that into this little Zwift app. There are other apps that do this, but it sort of gamifies you riding. So you're, it, it has you going up, going around this course against other people, chucks in a King of the Mountain challenge at one point, chucks in a sprint challenge every now and again. Um, yeah, it's really it cool. Look, it looks pretty good. The, yeah, it's, the Zwift it's pretty good. I, I was on it for like an hour and an hour and a quarter or hour and a half nearly earlier. And I'd, nev- I'd never do that. <laughs> no, it's like I, I can't really motivate myself to work out at home. But the last three, four days have done it every day solidly. It's quite good fun. Well, ish. Yeah, you need to make it part of your routine. That's the yeah, key. Yeah, you do. You we do. just got to be. We got to be in uh, prime. We got to be in prime condition for when the the drinking fences again. <laughs> I'm so exactly. looking forward to it. those first beers in the summer. Oh my god, they're going to be so good. That first stag do after that. Oh, I say something about drinking. The drinking world has been turned upside down because everyone that I think of as a big drinker per se is now not a big drinker because all the big drinkers I know are social drinkers. But the social drinkers aren't really enjoying it. Like I'm a social drinker. I drink a lot socially. I, I don't want to drink any beer at all because I, I, I like the, intera- the, the physical interaction. Whereas people who are not particularly big drinkers have really turned into drinkers. There's nothing better to do half the time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it is a dangerous position to be in if, you're, mm. if you've not got stuff to do and you start clock-watching, thinking, is this an acceptable time for me to crack a beer? I just worry, 2 about, PM. The, I just worry about the non-social cocaine users. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on this podcast today, and thank you very much for listening, we're going to be um, going to kind of... It's like rugby's answer to House of Cards. There's, there's a few sort of political and a few power shifting forces at play. And really, I think we're going to get into that. And, and starting with the bid to become the world rugby president, which is a very influential position, kind of can set the tone and lead the way and be quite influential in what the game looks like in a few years' time. Can be. I mean, actually, I'm trying to think, has Bill Beaumont, what, what impact has he had in his tenure as president of World Rugby so far? Not, not a great deal. Um, well, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. So I, I did some digging on this uh, to- topic, and I just find it interesting because obviously it's a very important p- position. And I wonder if when we talk about the chairman of World Rugby, whether we have it wrong. And what we mean by that is, that's not where the political battle is. So it doesn't really matter who the chairman is eventually. Um, that's, not, that's not the battle. The battle is between World Rugby and some of the home unions who have, th- have tournaments like Six Nations and Tri-Nations or Rugby Championship and whatnot, if that makes sense. It, it, it's, it almost like, it's almost like, you've got to think of it like the battle for the leadership inside the, inside the Labour Party. Um, for instance, their their enemy is the Conservative Party. You know that's where the battle is. It's not the internal battle, although maybe with the Labour Party, you might say it is. 
Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And I think you're probably right to say there's probably more, or, or not probably, there is definitely more difference of opinion between world rugby and then the groups of um, unions. So, for example, world rugby compared to, say, Sanzar or the Six Nations unions, um, than there is within world rugby. And when you read through Bill Beaumont and Augustine Pichot's um, two declarations, their statements, there's a huge amount of overlap of yes, there is the, there. them both saying the same things. And, and some of it you would totally expect them to be saying. So they're both saying that they're going to um, strengthen the financial stability of the game. They're both saying they're, they're going to develop the women's game. No surprise there. They're both going to look to improve player wealth, welfare, of obviously of course of course um <laughs> interestingly two of the other ones that they're both saying is so they're both looking at governance reform through a review of world rugby's internal structures we don't know what that would exactly look like but they're both putting that on uh, and they are both saying that they want to uh, they're framing it slightly differently but both of them want to look at the international competitions and the, the world game and the world calendar to see how that can be restructured. Yeah. So the other thing they have in common is they are both looking at pathways to get teams or nations into the existing events. I think that is probably the thing which I've most, most got in common. So when you're thinking about how to cast your vote, and by the way, you can't cast your vote, but you know, if you could cast a vote, <laughs> metaphorically... Um, the way you've got to think about it is, how do you want it done? Do you want it done in a, in a sort of moderate way? Or do you want it done in a moderate way with a tiny bit of an edge? And that's the difference between these two candidates, I think. So when, I was trying to, when I was trying to work out what the difference is, and let's just see what, what is the difference, because you've got Bernard, Bernard Laporte going for vice president, which is a role that Gus Peashot has held. Gus Peashot's going for president, and Bill Beaumont's going for another term as president. The it's, it's chairman and vice chairman, chairman. sorry, yeah, chairman it, and vice chairman. It is the same thing. Yeah. So the difference that I can sort of find between Peashot and Beaumont is basically Beaumont is a little bit more of the status quo. Yes. And kind of you can imagine the, the big tier one nations going that that suits our interests best. And Gus Peashot's a little bit more skewed towards the Sanzar nations and tier two. Although, although, so that is, I I would agree with that assessment. Although I would clarify that by saying the seconders for their nominations contradict that. As in, uh, Pichot was seconded by Rugby Australia and Beaumont was seconded by Fiji. So Ah. there is, there is more interest in politics at play here. And I'll, elaborate on that point just a little bit because I think it is worth doing um, the day after Pichot's bid was um, seconded by Rugby Australia Argentina stepped down announced they were going to step down for the running for World Cup 2027 which Australia are running for so there's an interesting mm. uh, trade-off between the two nations there ah, yes of course and with the well spotted with the Fiji bid, so to be honest, that I'm pointing out stuff that other people have pointed out. Um, yeah. a, a chap that did it particularly well is um, Alan Dimmock, who's um, Rugby World editor, um, and he did a very nice little summary on Twitter of this. Um, 
there is another interesting observation for Fiji, who have they were the official seconders of Beaumont's bid. Now, Fiji's, I can't remember his actual title, but one of their um, Fiji Rugby Union senior diplomats, let's say, um, who he is running for a world rugby position. Um, he has had an interesting and checkered past. He's previously not been allowed into either the UK or the USA. Because... Oh, is this the, is this the manslaughter dude? <laughs> yes, because he had a, a Fijian conviction for, well, it was originally he was convicted of murder and it was then stepped down to manslaughter. Now, I, oh, don't, know, I don't know any of the politics or the background behind that, but I know he's pretty pally with the Fijian prime minister as well. So it's some interesting stuff going on there. Isn't it just? Well, I tell you, in terms of politics, it's, in, it's, it's interesting that Gus Pichot doesn't have a vice, a running mate, so, so well, to speak. And my assumption on that is that it would just automatically be Bernard Lepore. Because the, the rule... No, 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 no. So Lepore... Is he the... is the only person running for vice, vice chairman. No. Yeah. No. No, okay. is that not he how is, it works? No, he is the running mate. That's he is the, like the Sarah Palin to um, Bill Bo Bill Beaumont's uh, John McCain, effectively, right? So he has given that role to Lepore, and therefore he will probably get the French votes. So the voting blocks, you know, obviously England will give their votes to to, to Beaumont. Then you can wrap up the French votes. So that's probably what he's done. Pichot, on the other hand, hasn't, but he will appoint someone once he gets there, which makes me wonder, how many people has he promised it to? Well, I, so I would question that interpretation of it. Oh, no, that is definitely the interpretation. Well, no, that that's is an interpretation. That's not... So I'm, I'm looking at the World Rugby's website at the moment, and their announcement on this, they've only announced uh, one person, or only one person has put themselves forward for vice chairman. And yeah. Canada's... So where contested, candidates must achieve a simple majority. Oh, there you go. Which, which well, suggests, and my interpretation of this, and I have, I'm sure I've seen this elsewhere, is that in both scenarios, Laporte, as things currently stand, unless another nomination comes forward, Laporte will be vice chairman for both of them. Well, the world, right. the world and the World Club League takes a step closer to reality. So I understand it differently. I understand it differently to that, which is. Although it's not tested, although it's never been done before, uh, Pichot, if he wins, will appoint, will appoint a vice himself, which is why he is not running with someone, and Laporte is actually running with Beaumont. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's see how that plays out. Mm. If Laporte is for both of them, that is a, that is a really weird dynamic. If, if we're getting Laporte either way, that's a bit odd. Well, this is this is kind of bled into another potential club versus cl country flare-up because, as you said earlier, Phil, what what both candidates to be chairman are saying is we're we're going to strengthen the financial situation in rugby as soon as we can. Various methods to do that have been muted, including a full Six Nations Championship happening this aut this autumn, and and writing off the one that's just happened in February. Um, I think the reason for that would be, oh yeah, so eff effectively they're looking at maybe making like a, a, um, a sort of eight to ten week international block in October and November, maybe, maybe like a two month block of international rugby. 
which is which they're saying is to fulfill a bunch of fixtures that haven't happened but i think really it's to just stimulate a bit of cash yeah i mean even if they do that right and yeah they they i mean they might they, they could i don't see the points because i assume people can't sit next to each other i assume people can't go to corporate i assume they'll still have to pay i mean they might they'll still have to pay the players their, their match fee but not have any of the income well they'll get so, I, I, I'm with you, Jay. I, I can't see you having um, 80,000 people cram into Twickenham by October. I, no. it, it might happen. I just, in my head, it won't happen this year. That, that kind of stuff might not happen until we have a, a true, properly rolled out vaccine. Um, it, it's, it's TBC that. Um, there would still be income, obviously, through TV deals, through marketing and all the rest of it. But it would be, it would be limited. Um, but it would bring more revenue than not having those games. Yeah, but it depends, doesn't it, how much they're going to have to shell out on everything else. I mean, it costs a lot to open the stadium, costs a lot for security, costs a lot to pay the players. You know, and with the opportunity cost, I guess, is the Premiership. Um, they may as well just play the Premiership. And then when the, and also, if you play those games early on, so if you have the whole, an early Six Nations... Would you not just be better having a later Six Nations, hopefully a bit fuller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, I think I think possibly. you would, but I think they're looking they're looking at um, they're looking at uh, options at the moment and a yeah. a sort of slightly scaled back Six Nations. How do you scale it back? I mean, uh, no, no, no. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good point. I can't remember. I've, I've, I was reading it today in the in um, the rugby paper, and it's been written. It's written been written about elsewhere. I can only assume that they are currently scenario planning because it, it totally no one knows what it's going to look like in no one knows what the the, the state of lockdown will look like in yeah. May. Never mind September, October, November. Yeah, so that, that's all of the scenario planning, and they will be looking at that whatever can potentially yeah. bring the most money uh, in in the shortest period of time. I, th- I think I think I've, I think I've just remembered just to clarify. I think I remembered exactly. how the, how the Six Nations came about. It would be a full Six Nations if. Nations like Japan or Australia or New Zealand aren't able to travel to the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, okay. 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 That, yeah, that, that would make sense. But then, I mean, one of, the, one of the key points for World Rugby at the moment, for both the, the chairman, for all the rugby clubs, for the RPA, for, for everyone in the game is player welfare. And there, there will be massive player welfare issues going on whenever we can start playing rugby again. Because you cannot square off all the games that need to happen in the various different leagues and um, have that player welfare um, position met, shall we say. Well, on, on that front, just to summarise where we're at with domestic rugby as well, I believe, is that they haven't, they haven't again, still haven't called that the season is over, still hoping to finish this particular season. And what would happen is there would be a five to six weeks lead-in period where clubs would be told and given time to prepare for the resumption of a league, which they are happy to resume even as late as August, I believe. Madness. With, so with, we'll, it, with it potentially oh. finishing, with it potentially finishing by the end of September, very early October, with the with the thought then that you would have maybe a week or two weeks off and then start the next season. Well, they do it in the top fourteen, so why not? Um, <laughs> but just, just just on player welfare grounds, you cannot do that. Like the, well, hold hold your horses there because we'll talk about that more in a second. Um, I would just like to, I'd like to ask a few more fundamental questions, right? Which is, 
why is the RFU so hand-to-mouth? I mean, why is it that one bunch of games, one year's worth of games disappearing from their calendar leads to a 50 million quid black, black hole? Why is there not an endowment fund? Why have adults not been in the room to make sure that this is the case? I know the RFU is part business. I know that. But it's also part um, uh, custodian of, uh, of the game. In fact, you might argue it's more custodian of the game than it is a business. Why they don't have a huge endowment fund to cover these sort of things is beyond me. I mean, it can't be right that, particularly when your stadium's in London and all the things that may happen in, in, in London, whether it be terrorist, I mean, there's not going to be a, a earthquake, but you never know, a terrorist attack, pandemic, what have you, that the game could be so fragile in the case of just a single year's worth of games not happening. It's, it's, a, it's a very good point, it's a, and it's a fair point. Now, from, their, from their own statement, um, of, some of those losses were because of um, additional expenditure due to 2019 and the loss of revenue from losing autumn tests in, in one year. But it's not like those things weren't known uh, no, five, five own, years ago, ten years ago, the, 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 they, that would be happening. own all the rugby. I mean, imagine owning a sport. How do you get it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you're not making anything you, you own a sport and it's not as if the fan base is uh, the rugby league fan base you know it's not it, these are wealthy people I mean God knows what the net worth are, know what the net worth of Twickenham is on, um, on a match day but it is beyond me that, <laughs> so it's millions on pork scratchings alone which you have to pay about five mm. quid a pack yeah but I mean you just, the, just the net worth of the people who go to watch rugby you know, I can't understand why there is not some sort of endowment fund, and not only for Twickenham, but maybe for for, for every club. And the people that are going to get to grips with these issues are the people that realise that that's how rugby should um, uh, should should be run. It's, it is interesting you say that because, yeah, now now we're in this situation. You sort of think with all of the vast resources that the RFU has, with all the um, commercial partnerships it has and such that almost it should be rugby's version of the, the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. Yes. Um, do you know what the irony of it is? Um, look at the sponsors. Quilter, Investec. You know, it's in the, you know, it's basically all these people from the city of London. Well, sorry, financial firms. It's, it's near the city of London. Yeah. And they just don't like idiots. I mean, it's not like they didn't have the the expertise is available to them. It's not like there's not people packing in Twickenham that know all about this stuff. And yet, nothing. Yeah, well, that, that is... That um, lack of funding for the RFU is going to cause um, additional hardships and additional difficulties in England. But had they had millions of pounds, they still wouldn't have been able to solve the problem that you've got with the league and the problem you've got with... Uh, closing the season outs when there are multiple different stakeholders, all of whom have slightly different um, objectives and interests in the yeah. game, which is the, just the num the sheer number of stakeholders and the, the range of interests. And even if if you like, if you take the clubs for example, the range of different objectives from the clubs' perspective is quite incredible. Like the reports today coming out of the rugby paper, that a number, a large number of the clubs are looking for future reductions in salary caps. Um, all, all but two, apparently. Yeah, which is... I, I'm surprised it's, it's at that level. Um, yeah, and to, to wrap up what you're, to, to what you're saying next, we can move on to that. Um, 
I think you're absolutely right, Phil. And I think it just highlights what, what we have been saying for a while now, which is that the, the varied interest of the RFU means it's not very agile or focused at times like this when it has to cater for the grassroots of the game and also the elite level of the game. Yeah. They're two very, very, very different propositions. And it's almost impossible for any organisation to tend to both adequately at the same time. And I wonder if that's the problem. I wonder if the problem is, uh, because they've been pulled apart by these two different poles, it's like, hey, you need to be a business. Hey, you need to be custodians of the game. Hey, you need to promote Team England. Hey, you need to do grassroots. If that, because of that, the only thing they can come up with to prove that they are doing what, as they, are, as they say, is just to keep spending money. Like, just keep throwing money at the community game. Oh, it's okay. We, we've spent X amount of bit, millions. That's why we're so good, because of how much of how much we spend. And actually, that isn't the secret to, secret to rugby. It's not how many millions get centrally. It's what your club brings um, through its members, you know, the ethos of, of, of the club, how people uh, band, band, band together to run the thing. Uh, so it, you're right, Tim. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be a cohesive unit or a cohesive organisation to manage all the different things that it needs to manage. Maybe they should separate, separate it off. Picking up on what you said, though, about the, yeah, you're right. The, I, I, I read nine and JB, you've heard 10. So it's anyway, the point is it's the majority and a significant majority of premiership rugby clubs, it seems, were asking for a reduction in the salary cap and a couple of clubs. And we get, I think we're guessing, probably quite an educated guess that Bristol and Bath will be probably among them. Yeah. Probably, you would imagine, with very wealthy Definitely. benefactors who have been, you know, not not slow to put their hand in their pocket. Uh, they've been, uh, they're sort of vetoing it and it, it works in that fashion. I think y- your take on it, Phil, was exactly where I was, which is like, wow, already that many are saying, right, we, we need to cut our cloth. Yeah, and it's... It, so just in terms of the actual um, logistics of doing it, just in terms of going from... 7 million at the moment down to what is reported um, at 5.5. It could be more or less, but um, just a a cut of that level is significant. You're talking, um, well, your your marquee players are outside this, but you're talking uh, probably five of your top players going or 10 plus of your lower level players going. Well, hold that thought, okay, because going, okay, so... A reduction in the salary cap has certain issues, doesn't it? You're going to have legacy contracts and new contracts. So if you're lucky enough to be on a five-year, on quarter of a million quid a year, which yep. is pretty much non-existent, I'd be amazed if there's a single player who has five years to run on quarter of a million in the Premiership. Amazed. Not Yeah, very, very few. If someone has just re-signed a contract, yeah. maybe. I mean, they, they, but according to Brian Moore, according to Brian Moore, there are hundreds of players on, uh, to, on 400,000 plus, according to him. Um, so, yeah, if you've got that to run, that's going to continue to run. And I think the way you'd have to work it out, it has to be a really complex, not complex, yeah, it is. Well, it would be complex. It'd have to be percentage of your salary cap. So you have the old salary cap of 6 million, the new one of 4 million. And then when that player comes up for renegotiation, you can offer him the same salary cap percentage. Yeah, but that so that would solve the problem down the line. But that that transition, say from now to next season, if that's when the shift is, that's a brutal transition. 
well for the players and also for the I mean, for the club, it's not that bad because they can demonstrate, can't they, to banks and whoever that they've got a solid business business plan and this is how the cash flow is going to work going forward. Yeah, I'm more thinking about the players because you, you basically oh, yeah. offer, you offer two options to the player, exactly, exactly as you said. Look, here is your reduced percentage, reduced um, salary or, sorry, you're down the road. Well, this is, a, this is an issue Ruby's going to have to deal with and I think they will when all this comes back. But the RPA really need to get some guys in there uh, who are coming up with these ideas and talking more about the commercial side. I mean, in the way that the RFU are conflicted over the two, all the things that it's, it's meant to do, the RPA do some things really well, and one of the things that it doesn't do particularly well is look after uh, the financials, in, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they, they're going to have to get to grips with this pretty quickly because should they decide to lower the salary cap, the players have got very little bargaining power. You know, Australian rugby is not in a good, good, good place. Uh, New, New Zealand rugby as well. So, sorry? New Zealand rugby as well. Yeah. I think, so yeah, the, the potential cuts to salary in Australia up to 80% and 50% in New Zealand. I mean, that's, that's, that's mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're in a bad position, but we might not be that bad. You know, what, what is the Rams? 25 to the pound. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can see just by, sell, by the recruitment of Cell Shock, so you can get some tremendous value from, from South Africa. Incredible. That's going to yeah. continue. So that's going to leave you with France, Japan, the UK. And France have got... Um, their and Ireland. Well, well the, the odd player in Ireland, if you're very yeah. lucky to be one yeah, of yeah. the few. If you get that one slot in... in yeah, fine. Yeah, there's, um, there's one slot in each position available, unless you can be <laughs> a project player. Uh, but that is, that is much more difficult than it was because it's a five-year rule. Yeah. So France have got that rule, haven't they, where you've got to come through the academy or you've got to be French qualified or some such thing. And yeah, which means, by... which means yeah. Montpellier have got uh, academies in Bloemfontein and Stellenbosch and wherever else, of... Pretoria. Yeah, I, I would have been using my lockdown period to learn Japan if I was a rugby, uh, Japanese if I was a rugby player. 100%. <laughs> I mean, there's no guarantee that the, I mean, the Japanese are not exactly forthcoming when it comes to handing out visas and, and, and whatnot. And it wouldn't surprise me if they're take on Western, filthy Western, non-wearing mask society would be pretty strict. And they don't have, an, an, even their teams don't have an, uh, unlimited money. I mean, they and have one or two professionals each. We, we've seen um, Dan Carter and Matt Gitto both said that they are done in Japan. They were on uh, contracts for at least the rest of the season. Kieran Reid has said he's unlikely to ever go back. So even, even Japan is not unaffected by this. From a player's point of view, if, if, and this is from a player's point of view, if there was one saving grace with this whole situation is, is, is that it sort of came up really well and truly in, in January, February, March, rather than October, November, December, because a lot of contracts get signed by January. Yeah. Now, now, there are exceptions and there are players who are in a very, very bad position being on the open market now. Um, friend of the mm. pod, Carl Ferns, being one of them, Nick Abendanen spoke up recently about being another. They're quite relatively in-demand players. So if they're struggling, then if you're a jobbing rugby player out of contract this summer, you are, you've, I mean, it, well, it's terrible timing. Terrible. terrible timing. Ironically, and this doesn't sound particularly logical, but I think if you're, if you're a jobbing rugby player, you might be in a better situation. Um, Purely for the fact that it's not, I mean, let's face it, it's not going to be easy for anyone when all the market, markets are open. But it's easier to replace 40 grand a year than it is 300 grand a year. Yeah. 
or and 800 grand a year or whatever. Yeah. No, that's a fair comment. Yeah. That's, that's a fair comment. You, you can even walk away from the game. And so, so what? But if you really are relying on that, you know, last couple of years to make up, you know, mortgage payments, that's when you're going to be in a, a world of pain. Here's another scenario. Let's say you are 32. You've been a loyal servant for a club and you've just signed a two or three year deal to finish your career on, on good money. Yeah. Knowing that's your last contract. And if you swerve that or you don't get that, you're not going to get another one in the current market. Would you be charitable and say, okay, I'll take a massive, I'll take a massive cut. Just go, no, this is, this is it. This is the rest of my money from, from rugby. I I think you'd be, I'd understand that perspective. I wouldn't take a cut. It, it would be, it would be very, very difficult to accept a cut. But then there, I can only assume that there will be some kind of unilateral termination clause in these contracts where exceptional circumstances can be invoked like the current position we're in. And they might, I'm not saying there is this, but there might be an option for the club to say, look, if the salary cap gets reduced from seven down to five, or given the position that we're in, we're going to rip up that contract. And a worrying thing for the players now, I say worrying, it's not worrying, but here is a fault line, here's something which will will happen, is previously with the furlough scheme, it was just implied, you know, you go on it, nothing needs to be signed, away you go. Well, that's changed now. You do need to sign something to, to go on it. So players need to get very good advice as to what is in these contracts because you might come to a situation, as I mentioned uh, last week or week before, where you sign this thing and you don't really understand what it is and then you're up for renegotiation anyway. And that, you know, that, that is a real possibility. Yeah, and that, that would be worrying from a player's perspective. Mm-hmm. And the, the interesting, on, on all of this, there was a very interesting announcement from from Saracens early this week about their players. So not actually not just their players, all of their staff over £75,000 a year are being def- having all future payments deferred um, to at least next season. Now, is that, is that a furlough and defer situation? So it didn't, I don't think it clarified that. It wasn't, it wasn't hugely forthcoming with, with details. I would assume so, um, because it would make sense that you don't require, certainly those players, you don't require them right now. You might be able to recover a few thousand pounds through furloughing them. Um, and then um, that will obviously go to Saracens, but then to the players. Mm. Um, and then the remainder of their their money. And so if you take one of their star players who might be on half a million pounds a year, who would be earning their, their gross salary would be somewhere in the region of 40 to 45K per month. You might be recouping two and a half grand of that, paying it to them. But then the entirety of the difference would be deferred to a later point, which is it's massive if you've got a mortgage. Was Owen Farrell so, named in this? Uh, the only Yes, he was. Named, so... Well, all I think it was all staff. The, yeah. the announcement was all staff. The oh, only, okay. The they only, did have a picture of Owen Farrell in one of the reports saying, including Owen Farrell, have agreed. Well, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it is all of them. And certainly yeah. the, the player who was part of the official Saracens statement was Mario Toji. So he is, he'll be close to one of the highest paid players there. Certainly, if you count his um, image rights um, and <laughs> appear, appearance fee attendances. Oh, I miss being able to just talk about those days <laughs> and that being the big talking point. 
the easy so, things. Um, but that this so it has massive implications for the players right now who've got mortgages and the rest of it. But it also has huge implications for the salary cap down the line because what they were saying was that that balance will be paid over potentially up to eighteen months from whenever the next season starts. Now, under the current salary cap regulations, that would be counted in the next season. It's counted in the season that it's paid in, not for the season that it's from. Yeah. So they, you can, so Saracens must be assuming that they will not be bound by the current salary cap rules when they, they will be paying this. Now, that could be for a whole well, host of reasons. I think there is an extra... Okay, so I think there's, an, an, there's a bit more politics behind it than that. Well, so that they have to be assuming that, for yeah. whatever, however. Ah, yes, I see what you're saying. I see so what you're saying. They have to be assuming that they will yeah. not be bound by the current salary cap regulations when they pay those fees down the line. So it's now, almost we don't like... know how. We don't know what they're assuming they will be bound by. It could be they're in a different league. It could be the rules have been changed. Dare, dare I say one of the reasons why people? I mean, Owen Farrell <laughs> maybe is a very different example because his value is so high. But dare I say? Perhaps one of the reasons why Saracens can do this, where they defer all staff payments and it's not massively necessarily adversely affecting players in terms of mortgage stuff, is because Saracens as a club has been very, very good at getting players very financially organised. And, <laughs> yes, and, and, alternative and income in, streams. In, in, alternative income streams or in a way that, that, as you identified, the RFU have struggled to have a really substantial rainy day fund to cater hey, for all you- eventualities. Do you guys know how Nigel Murray made, made his money? Uh, I know he's got lots of different businesses, but I, don't, I can't. I'm, I've definitely read it, but I can't remember. Is it not Domino's, I was going to say it's not Domino's, is it? I was going to say is. Domino's or Blockbuster. But... Domino, Domino's Pizza fran- franchises. <coughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And also, apparently, he's got a, a, a biography out called Skin in the Game, which you can't buy online. Apparently you can only buy it in the club shop, from what I understand. So if there's anyone out there who has a copy of Skin in the Game, get in contact with me and post it me, because I really want to read it. <laughs> I'd like to read that. But yeah. how, how that gets squared from a Saracen's perspective is very interesting. All right. And that would so definitely me... fly in face of the 5.5, if there is a salary cap reduction to 5.5, that doubles their problem in future. So let me... Let me ruminate a second. Okay. So Stars find themselves in a position where they're relegated, but they actually hold a, hold a lot of cards. Every other club in the country is furloughing or actually reducing pay. Some of them are saying that they will re- refund later on. So Gloucester have given a promise to their players, which is kind of, yeah, we will give you some money, maybe. If, 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 we, if we recover, we'll pay you back, is basically the thing. Okay. Saracens have said, no, we're going to just uh, defer and everyone can match it. So they can put financial pressure onto the, other, on, onto the clubs. Simultaneously, because of this financial pressure, things are now in play. For instance, ring fencing, which would probably be led by Saracens, and needs the agreement of all 13 share... 13? 13 shareholders? Yes. Yeah. Is, is there? Everyone plus Newcastle. Yeah. Everyone, the 12 in the Premiership plus Newcastle. 14, 14 shareholders then. Oh, 13. 14. 12 plus CBC. one in the Championship. Oh, with CVC, CBC. yes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But CVC only have, only have a share in Topco, which is the image, the image and TV rights, rather than the, the clubs or the league. Is that right? 
that is that is actually completely completely correct. So, so I, I don't know if that stretches to a, a vote in things like salary cap. And I, I'm pretty sure Let, they wouldn't care either, would they? Let's let's say let's say thirteen. Let's just say for argument's sake that we don't know. <laughs> thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Saracens could quite conceivably see themselves back in the top competition if things get bad enough. I mean, I, ideally. I think they'd like to see someone someone go under. So you know, if if Worcester can't sell all their land to buy to build to build a, a, a housing development, for instance, and go bankrupt, you could, take, could easily see Saracens back. And the Premiership teams more than ever need Nigel Ray. They need owners with money. They need people who are willing to fund fund rugby. And I think it's pretty smart by Saracens to be doing what they're doing, and also to be leading the move for or driving the move for um, ring fencing, which I understand that they are. That's in so them driving the move because that's not being reported at the moment, is it? Well, well some people I've, haven't done their jobs. I've not seen it reported. Well, moment. it's been reported by me right now. There you go, breaking news. Breaking news. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a smart, smart strategy by Saracens. No matter which way they break it down, of course, they'd be able to say, um, they'd be able to say that they, they qualify. Either as a shareholder, they qualify, or as a team in the Premiership this year. Because you wouldn't ring fence from being a pro- team in the Premiership next year, would you? Some- someone will now, after this, someone will uh, come up with a conspiracy that Nigel Ray um, paid for uh, a virus. To be uh, <laughs> well, he can pay for a podcast <laughs> if he really wants. <laughs> well, that, so you say they qualify again they would have to have the salary cap regulations changed for them to be playing in the Premiership next year because yeah, I think they haven't met point, the, the conditions for the past, well, X number of years. Yeah, and I think at that point, they've got, a, you know, they've got a lot of leeway to be forgiven. But then, you know, if you want Saracens back at all, they get back in the league. I do not see Saracens saying to anyone, yeah, let's get rid of some salary cap. If anything, it's no going to be chance. uncapped. Yeah, they, well, they'll be pushing for a significant increase so they can keep all their players. Yeah, they've proved one thing. They're a phenomenally loyal b- bunch of people. Phenomenally yeah. loyal. <laughs> so, uh, good luck. Pick your poison, lads. God, it, I mean, I really don't... There are so many vested interests, stakeholders, so many different opinions of this. I, have, like, I really can't see how it's all going to get squared. I mean, no. in terms of just, if you just break it down really simply, how do you finish this season? In my head, the simplest answer is you don't, you can't. You, no. you, you write this season off. Okay. So people with, with influence in the game hopefully listen to this podcast. I, I know they do. Um, I, we love to think about things which are unthinkable. So sadly, we are going to lose some some rugby clubs. That is my firm belief. Some 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 will go, and also some top clubs will be looking at this situation very very differently to the top clubs. So uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure London Irish have a different view on what's going on to Bristol and Bath. Yeah, def- or, for definitely. I, I don't know that for a fact, but you know, different organisations will be looking at this in 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 different ways. I honestly think if ring fencing is going to go ahead. We've got to revisit how we can incorporate ring fencing and relegation. So, you know, the idea of having one team not play every year, 13 <laughs> shareholders, I think is realistic. Particularly. I have, have you, 
you know, because you, you've been banging that drum for a little while now. Yeah. Have you ever had a positive response from anyone on it? Yes, today. <laughs> do you want to... I'm not, 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 okay. not going to name names. Okay. But, that, but, but think about it. I mean, what would it happen if that 13th team who wasn't playing was followed around by a Netflix film, film crew for the entire year whilst they rebuilt? I mean, surely you lose one of the biggest parts of those Netflix documentaries, which is the, the building up to the games and then the post-match stuff. So it'd just be guys no, doing the same. The no, but, but you get, think about it, you get all those montages like Dolph Lundgren in Rocky with just players <laughs> running around science, science labs getting made yeah. massive. Now, do you know, it'd be more like, it'd be more like uh, the NFL uh, hard knocks. Uh, now, are you aware of the Scottish draft system? No. So in Scotland, every one of their professional players is also drafted by a local club. Are you aware of that? No. Okay, so Glasgow Warriors. Uh, at the start of the season, all the teams affiliated to Glasgow Warriors, um, it might actually be all the teams in the next division. Of oh, Scotland. so these are all the teams I remember used to play. Um, so all the teams, all the clubs you'll be talking about are all the ones that I remember used to seeing on Rugby Special. Yeah. And second clips back in the 80s and 90s. So, like Melrose. Hoik. Or if Hoik. That's how you say it. Yeah. Yeah. So, they get to draft all of the professional players. Sterling. Sterling. Yeah. I don't know what accent that, that is. Um, Big, bigger potentially next year. Because I think they were due to get uh, promoted. But mm. who? Bigger. Bigger. Who are they? Scottish Rugby Club. Oh, lovely. Um, so, they all get to draft the players from the Warriors and and Edinburgh and they have some really actually I've just gone on a tangent here they have some really weird draft strategies so who do you draft let's get that televised oh, that is that is very interesting actually yeah who would you draft I, 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 I would watch that just because I'm that desperate for sport I'm going to be watching as I mentioned last week I'll be watching the NFL draft next weekend that's my so, entertainment so that, for weekend for one thing you're not going to draft anyone who's anywhere near the Scotland squad no exactly not certainly you're not going to waste your, your early picks on them you're gonna you're gonna draft say third choice, uh, full back, number eight, scrum half, fly half, those third choice and key positions. Third, third choice also, tight end prop. What what positions do you draft? So do you just draft? Say if you've got tight end props. Uh, so the clubs have loads of props. Just get props. Yeah. So or, or do you just say I'm going to draft every second row because they can't all be playing at the same time, can they? <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> so draft six deep in back rows. Yeah, yeah. So that's literally. What so you're these... always going to guarantee yourself to to have a starting number eight. Yeah, of, of that quality. So right, right at the bottom of these drafts, the best players go. So I, I'm pretty sure Stuart Hogg has played a game or two coming back from injury for one of the like yeah. one of these yeah. Um, Kenny Murray, the coach at Glasgow, I did an interview with him and he was telling me about the draft process. So here, here is why I'm saying that. Say if Sale Sharks went down onto on, on Naughty Step, their players could be drafted by the local clubs that they affiliate to, whether it be Preston or Central. We talked about this as a silly idea when you muted this a few weeks back. We said, what about, yeah, that'd be cool as well, televise yeah. that. So they, they can either go out or they can go to other clubs or say, if they want their, club, their, their players to continue playing, they can go to Preston or whatnot. But if anyone else wants to come poach them, they can come poach them. They've got a year to sign and, sign and recruit 
get a new coaching team in. Of course, you wouldn't need a new coaching team at sale. I'm just using them as an example because a parent coaching team is perfectly good enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's exactly what you would do. And actually, it's a really, really good prospect. You keep ring fencing, you keep relegation, and the only way it could work, it. the only way it could work if it, if it was all centralised and all the money went into one pot, because otherwise, yeah, you'd, you'd, go, ba- you'd go bust. Yeah, you'd have to have a pot. So basically, the remaining 12 teams have to fund your salary cap. Yeah. So that now you've had a chance to flesh this out a little bit more and think about the consequences of the, the relegation. I hate it less. I'll definitely say that. It's a great idea. I'm still, not, idea. I'm still not totally on board. but Imagine the opening weekend at Welford Road. Because they would have gone down. If it wasn't yeah. Saracens, they would have gone down. Imagine the opening day at Welford Road. They've got a year with Borthwick and Murphy. Yeah, it, it's exciting. You can imagine, you can imagine like uh, Craig Doyle going, and um, let's cross the Welford Road where uh, Tim Cocker, what's happening? Uh, nothing, mate. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting rid of these cobwebs up here. <laughs> I mean, this seem, it seems wrong though, doesn't it? To um, but there again, there's a stadium. There, you know, Leicester Tigers have a, have a ladies team. Maybe the ladies play. Maybe they still play 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 a uh, um, a league. But it would certainly whet the appetite for for rugby when that team returns. Yeah, and a big a winner of this would be those those um, women's rugby teams in the in the relegated um, or the the naughty step team. Yeah. You get you get much more attendance um, at Leicester or or Tiger um, or Sale. Yeah. Do you know? So do you know aware, yeah, go on, Jay. I was going to say. So I'm aware there are, that there are that there are people out there who like it when I do their job. I've done it for you again. Go and implement that because it's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> now, do you know what I watched a little bit of earlier today? I watched um, a virtual a bit. I watched a bit of a virtual Grand Prix. How was it? Um, I was I watched it out of curiosity as much as anything. The, the it, Chinese one. Uh, yes. Oh no, that that was the first one. They've done a new one. That was two weeks ago. They've done another one today. But they had um, F1 drivers and people like Ian Poulter and a postman <laughs> from Derby and okay. various pe- people playing this video game Grand Prix. But the fact they had all the camera angles and it looked so realistic, it was, it was, it, it was a very ingenious bit of television to make uh, in this current situation it is so i because of the f1 docs on netflix which i cannot recommend enough i think i will listen to four f1 podcasts yesterday because i'm just hooked and <laughs> i was watching a video which I, I i thought was legitimate i thought it was a 2018 f1 car against one of the uh Brabham's from 88 from 82 and i thought oh it must be in good in goodwood or someone someone like that it wasn't. It was the bloody computer game, and it was so realistic. It took me a good thirty seconds. I thought, bloody hell, I'm watching a computer game. It's only, when, it's they, really it's only when they spin and crash, and then go kind of like see through, so that other cars don't crash into the or whatever that, that uh, you realise. But um, yeah, it was ingenious. But it did make me think. And, and allied to this, I, I read an article a couple of days ago with Jack Noel. I don't know if you saw him. He's taken part over this weekend in a FIFA competition. Huh? And um, he said that the England, basically the England squad is absolutely mad on FIFA. That Mako yeah. Vanapola is the best in the England squad at FIFA. Henry Slade is the worst. <laughs> um, they're also massive on Fortnite and Call of Duty. Ellis Genge recently was uh, in a Call of Duty? No, he's in a League of Legends or something like that. Um, 
match or something like that, which got put out on streaming. We've got Jamal Ford Robinson, who's a you know get, uh, becoming quite a prolific twitcher. Twitch, yeah. slowly losing the plot as well. <laughs> Beautifully <laughs> losing the plot. Um, <laughs> so, like, you've I'm got MHD Luke Cowandicki. He's a, a big, big gamer. He was at one point, I think, ranked number one in the world or very close to I'm it. I'm just reading that now. Music. This quote from um, Jack Noel. Yeah, he said, Anthony Watson's good, but Mako is very good. On Fortnite, Luke Cowandicki and Call of Duty, he's amazing. He was number one in the world on Search and Destroy a couple right. of years ago. Can I just say, right, this is, this is, not, this is, not, this is not, not a joke. It is harder to be number one in the world of Call of Duty, Search and Destroy than it is to play for England at hooker. I mean, it is I'd a prob- great. I'd, yeah, I probably agree with that. Just in and terms it's of the probably more lucrative people. too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're and, absolutely and right. So, so I've never watched any esports at all, uh, but I listened to where I listened to a very good um, podcast that I got recommended. Um, that was a sports lawyer interviewing an MD at an esports company. And it was the, the number, I think CJ, friend of the pod, uh, recommended it. It was a brilliant, it was a fascinating insight, just in terms of the numbers that they were talking, like 18-year-old kids who are best in the world at whatever it is, FIFA, um, League of Legends, Call of Duty, Fortnite, all the rest of them, earn, like signing for multi-million pound deals it's mad, isn't to it? play for these these teams but it, it's, it's it's actually because because they've brought in people who so um professionals legal accountancy management all the rest of it who have done they've all done entertainment industry so they've done music they've done films or they've done sports it's actually an incredibly developed market already and they're very very switched on people maximizing the opportunities for these these guys well, and girls podcast legend adam carolla okay recently did his stand-up show in a venue in california which is the esports stadium yeah yeah the I'm stadium sure this is like 20 30,000 big you were saying the um the production value so when it's on tv or when you actually go to one of these competitions they said saying the production values is like a Hollywood blockbuster combined with a Broadway musical. It's just meant to be... You mean WWE? Uh, yeah, precisely. <laughs> I watched a little... Um, uh, a kind of, I don't know how I went down this YouTube wormhole one time, but I watched a, I ended up watching about, about a 10-minute documentary of this gamer who's one of those people, like you say, that had this multi-million pound endorsement deal with an energy drink company or something and was part of a team on whatever yeah. it was. Let's say League of Legends, I don't know, Fortnite. And he... It was like watching a elite athlete preparing for the Olympics. The way he was like, "I need, <laughs> sorry, uh, an alarm went off. Sorry, and he had to stop the chat. Sorry, I need to, I need to drink. I need to have some water." And he because he had like the the correct amount of fluid in his system, like a tiny percent. Because like at the top level, as you say, it's a very developed thing, and there is the the gap between being the best and just not quite being there is yeah. so minute. <laughs> He was like 10,000 compared to yeah. being the top 10. Like, like in rugby. Now, <laughs> it's quite funny, isn't it? I do get the, the reason why you'd want highly caffeinated sugar-based drinks for, for sport. <laughs> but for eSport, it doesn't sound like the wisest solution. Yeah, but the, the, the number is, is bang on the demographic because you've got you've like 15 to 25-year-old or 15 to 30-year-old blokes are watching that stuff in the yeah. 
millions and billions. Yeah, but they shouldn't be drinking. You know, if your thing is Call of Duty 24 hours a day, don't, don't have sugary drinks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, the, the one thing that struck me about this is I was sort of thinking, when I... Not to cast any sort of... I'm man alive, I've done my fair share of gaming in my time. Football manager, I'd have done so much better at school <laughs> if it hadn't been for football manager. My God. Um, but it, it, I was kind of struck with these... Jack Knoll talking about it and going and doing a FIFA tournament and Ellis Genge and stuff because they're quite gregarious, outgoing guys, very social, the whole rugby thing. And I don't, I didn't sort of think of that with the, with the gaming thing, but it's clearly quite a big thing with young rugby players. But then I remembered <laughs> what it was like living with my brother when he was playing at Bath and the Who was he living with? Sorry? Who was he living with? Any, any other Bath players? Well, me and him got our first house in Bath. I was studying there and he came to play rugby. So we got a, we got 110% mortgage or something and just got a house. Cause it was, <laughs> in the, remember before, those days? Before 2008 then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, and we lived with another guy called Steve, um, who was playing at Bath as well. He's now a very, very good coach, Steve Salvin, um, in Yorkshire. Anyway, I think he might be at Leeds. Or he, what? Anyway, doesn't matter. But, um, so the two of them would come back from training and they were so knackered, they just got a massive bowl of food and just sat playing games all day. And that's, that's just that's probably why, isn't it? You're doing so much training that in the rest of your time, you've got no energy. And the alternative as well. So like back in the day, if you ever read about um, footballers in the, I don't know, 50s, 60s, 70s, before sports nutrition, before the rest of it, they would finish training and go to the pool hall, the snooker hall and get on it. And that's true actually as, as young as young men um when you've got free time you can drink so, and party or yeah, yeah but those guys and those guys back then would have gone uh, if you could have had a chat with one of those guys back in the 60s in, in george best era footballers and you explain tinder think how jealous they'd be <laughs> <laughs> do you know not at all not at all. Uh, when I watch, um, like, sport, I watched a clip of Maradona today warming up in, in the 80s in Napoli or early 90s. I thought that is, that is the era to, 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 to be a young man. <laughs> to get away with it. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is you know, the, you know, like, being, being an international jet setter then, that, 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 was, that was definitely the time. There's meant to be an amazing Maradona documentary, actually, which, is that, yeah, he, he's, he's one of my favourite just sports people him back in the day was just ridiculous people saying Messi's better than him need to absolutely do one because he, <laughs> he, man he managed to do what he's doing whilst being walloped by everyone around him people just kicking his leg just kicking him and walloped off the field as well well yeah very true but, but with the whole gaming thing it sort of made me think well the, the, we talked about the fact there's no rugby game and rugby needs a video game but that's where we're at. But if they did have one and they had a challenge mode, you know these things where they say you have to go through challenges uh, harder to easier. What challenge modes could we come up with? So, for example, um, a good challenge mode would be, well, what the, the 1999 World Cup comeback from France that we had. It would be, it, there's 30 minutes yeah. and you are 12 points down to the All Blacks. Yeah. yeah, so they have these. Find a way um, to come back and win. The NFL games, they have these, and they're great fun. Yeah, I, I think so. There'll be some good ones like that. I mean, the Leicester comeback against Stad, the Leinster comeback against Northampton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those would be incredible. I'd like the, the individual player 
challenges within the game. So like make one of your back rows make 38 tackles in a European Cup semi-final against Clermont. But I don't know how you... I don't know how this game's playable. What do you mean? I, I, just, I, I can't figure out for life me how you make the mechanics of a rugby game. Have you never played one? Yeah, like, I have. But like, move. how do you then make one player tackle 30 odd people? You'd I mean, have the only to... way you could do it is like pre-program or have line-up. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't know how you, you, I don't know how you could do it. You'd have to have more, dif- more freedom for individual players in the defensive line. So you know how in a lot of the games you can shuffle through the players? So you yeah. can pick which player you are currently controlling. So obviously when you're attacking, you're always contro- controlling the player with the ball. But when you're defending, if you can pick one of the players to control. Or so maybe you just play the game. Maybe you'd have to play the game just as Jack Berger and make 38 tackles. <laughs> now that would be exhausting. It would be exhausting. It would be exhausting. But obviously another one you could have is um, there's I mean, maybe one of the early challenges. There's five minutes to go in a World Cup uh, pool match against South Africa. You're four points down in Brighton. You're Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Find a way to win. You need you're to go a, the length. Of, you need to go the length of the field to to win. You're a significantly smaller, weaker team mm. <laughs> <laughs> with far less pedigree. Or, or it could be uh, you are um, you're Wales. You've got you're playing against thirteen men. Beat Australia. <laughs> You've got so, a three-on-one overlap. George North is playing number thirteen, <laughs> playing outside centre. <laughs> so, where it falls down for me, right, is how do you? This sounds so nausy, right? How do you put in a team structure? How do you select the calls which you're going to use? So, from what I've played, it's all kind of preset. It's rubbish. It's a little bit like it's a little bit like Madden at scrum and lineout. But that, but not very, not very developed. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't really work out how it happened. I think yeah. a rugby game would happen, and it would be good if there was enough demand. There's clearly just not enough demand to warrant the good game developers that make games like Madden too hard to, 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 to make them, to make them bothered to bothered to do it. Well, they managed it. Lomu, Lomu was great. Lomu was. I spent hours playing Lomu. Loved it. The thing about, the thing about Lomu is it accurately. It accurately, accurate, accurately depicted the amount of skill in the game at that time. At that time, <laughs> <laughs> that was as fast as it got. And it, it, the the problem in rugby is the the um, decision making from so many more people is so critical from so many more people. Is it in? a rugby game you can control one person at a time that's a fundamental flaw because yeah, how do you... the line running and the decision making and the movement and all the rest of it from so many more people is so integral yeah, to the way that the, the game works you'd probably be just making decisions this again i apologize it's so nauseous but you're probably making decisions on you it's like the halfback right so or, or you know your l1 or r1 for pass up pass right but actually probably more important decisions how many how many men committed to the breakdown yeah. Who would not break down? Yeah, or the outside running line, the, the dummy running line. Yes. Do, do you fix the outside shoulder or the inside shoulder of the outside defender? Like that kind of thing. Do you, do you check his run? Do you risk, do you put an arm out to slow his run to risk getting penalised, but also buy the man outside you an extra half a yard? 
Yeah, you're yeah, right. The more you talk, the more I'm thinking. What, what I thought when I read the Jack Knoll thing was like, oh, Jack Knoll's taking part in a gaming competition and, it's a, and, it, and he's doing it in football. But this is, this is why, isn't it? Football's yeah. just a, pig, a, pig, a pig's bladder and two yeah. bits of metal at each end. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, what was the game that we watched? What was the first game that we... Oh, the, the, uh, the France-New Zealand game. Yeah. The rucks were simple. All eight players that could <laughs> get to the ruck got to the ruck. <laughs> And then if you're really good with the ball, you either kick it or run around people. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. Nothing very, more to it than that. Very simple. There was no thought going into where the back three were standing. They were just, they, no they just found themselves don't, in a position. Had no idea about positional play. They, they found themselves stood in a position on the field and the ball either came to them or it didn't. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would genuinely love, though, a particularly with what's happened in the last year, I'd love a rugby management game. Yeah. yeah. Now that would be interesting. God, I'd hate some of the decisions that the the clubs have got to think through right now. There are some very, very <laughs> tough decisions being made. Um, on the, the rugby game, that that was that was one of the uh, different objectives from Beaumont and Pichot. Um, Pichot did flag that um, a flagship rugby computer game as one of his objectives for World Rugby, which does it, it seems like something that is outside of the control of world rugby. Yeah, whereas Beaumont just, just wanted to relaunch the rugby Sabutio uh, game. But this, but this goes back to maybe one of the issues rugby has in, in terms of growing it, is like, I, th- I think, on the one hand, P-Shot's probably thinking, well, if we want to market ourselves and grow our game, we need to have things like a video game. And that might, because look at the number of young guys, potential rugby players, that are into gaming, exactly as you said. There are stadiums, stadiums devoted <laughs> stadium. The problem being, you can't just pick up a rugby game and understand what the hell is going on, which goes yes. back to what I was saying again last week, which is, if rugby wants to grow, if rugby wants a, a, a video game that you can make easily, it all, then sim- simplification is probably the key word. But then, then you ruin yeah. some of the nuance that we love. And actually, on exactly. And also, just remember this: when Pichot says that he wants he wants a, a game, I mean that's nice, and we think he's really cool and young because he wears trainers. <laughs> Is he not nearly fifty? <laughs> yeah. By the way, he should be disqualified from any high office on the strength of wearing trainers with a suit alone. Well, yes, so I agree. I would, I would never ever do it. But it's a bit like booing the kicker or shining lasers into the eyes of the kicker. While none of us could get away with it, Pichot, maybe he can. Yeah, but I don't, maybe, I don't, maybe, I don't mind, because wasn't there an Argentinian rugby team? We saw a picture of them stood by a, an aeroplane going to a World Cup or something, or a tour, the, and the, they were wearing suits. The, yeah, this, this year's or last year's yeah. World Cup squad, they all wore trainers. Yeah, but they didn't wear running trainers. Like, no. That was the problem. Oh, uh, Gus Pichot had like some ASICs running trainers with his suit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't they were. mind it. So I mean, I'm not doing it anytime soon, but I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, um, one, just one thing. I was thinking then about the rugby. Maybe, maybe that is the place for rugby X. Maybe you could accurately replicate rugby X. No, do you know what you could accurately do? In this is no word of a lie. Go on. Rugby league. It lends itself so well to yeah, rugby yeah. game. Yeah, it is, it is it's the simplified yeah, version of the game. Yeah. No one wants to play rugby X. Everyone wants to play rugby league. <laughs> not, not, many people, rugby 
Well, no one really wants to play either. That's the problem. That is not true. Rugby League is the greatest game on earth. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, right, now, so let's finish off with this. Um, did you see the, re- the reports that if the season was to resume, it would be all at Twickenham? Yeah. It d- did sound a bit far-fetched. Again, it sounded like someone's s- scenario planning without actually thinking everything through. Why did you say that? Um, well, just the number of people who are going to have to come into contact with one another um, in one space at Twickenham to do that. And also, you're going to have to relay the pitch. You can't you play should. 47 games on a grass pitch. I thought it could take it because it's a hybrid. So it's, it's 5% weave. So my my assumption would be it won't be able to take 47 games uh, without replacing it. I don't know. So I was... I thought it could do or they could split it between there, there and the recall yeah um... so the recall would work because well it's the centre of the country mm-hmm. and also it's got accommodation it's got uh, good Wi-Fi I mean the recall would probably be a better place for it or you could run two locations yeah oh and apparently I did never knew this maybe Tim knows this they could film it using remote cameras from from Stratford. Really? Yeah, that's you amazing. Really need cameraman? No. Uh, yeah, Sorry, I have heard of this. Have you? How's it work? Did you know? Um, you get less. You get less options, and you can't be. <clears throat> you can't have the reactive stuff that you get. Like some of the best shots are the ones of the guys running up and down the the touchline where they just get exactly the right angle at the right time for a try or. Whatever, but yeah, you can, you can produce sporting events remotely by people controlling cameras that are in fixed positions in another location. Ah, so yeah, they do that from the Rico because of the quality, of the quality of the Wi-Fi. So you know, there there are some options. You'd also need to potentially play two games a week. Uh, yeah, that's unless you're going to accept that you can. Um... Basically, the games are immaterial. And as in, well, you, as in can you can it. play an A team and a B team or whatever you want to call it, or, first team and a second team. Well, it does raise some really interesting sporting questions, doesn't it? So I think the only thing that has to happen is there has to be some welfare ruling, no more than 80 minutes a, a week. Or, you know, well, it, have, it has to be 80 minutes because Pretty much, if yeah. you say 100 minutes... Is the referee going to take tell you to take off a player if he exceeds his, his limits? Yeah, you'd be no more than one full match per week, and as in, if that match goes to eighty-five minutes, that is a full match. If it goes yeah. to eighty minutes and one second, that is a full match. Yeah, so you, know, you could play Fafter Clerk second half and first half of two games, for instance, right? Yeah, but some really interesting sporting questions then of like, how do you put two squads together? Do you go full out every Saturday and then a, 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 an A team? That's an interesting. That's an yeah. interesting um, problem for them. Who do you play? Who do you pick your best team against? So yeah. if, you, if you're playing Saracens, for example, do you or Exeter? Do you tra- put your best team to try and take points off them, or do you play your week, your best team against Leicester, Worcester, or team? half and half and try and do both? Yeah, it creates. But e- even doing that, just the. I still can't see how you can get this season done. And the the big date in my head is this um, end of June, start of July date, which is when the 
the players whose contracts end and the new contracts start, that's the cutoff date for them. And I just can't see how you how you maintain the league and the integrity of the league when you've got players switching. Mm. But it just becomes a different source of competition then, doesn't it? Yeah, and also that's that's not insurmountable when you have broadcasters desperate for advertising money, you have clubs desperate for broadcasting money, and you have players desperate for contracts and money. Yeah, true. True. The, the money is the big thing that's going to drive all of this. Yeah. It will be whatever decision uh, within certain parameters, but whatever decision gets most money to the clubs and the unions fastest. So would you be up for an 11-week tournament for the Premiership, right? Only 11 weeks. Everyone Two plays games. each other once. No, no, no. Twice. Oof. Two games a week. But with, with the caveat that you can only see a player for, for a uh, full game. For a full game every week. That, so a point that you've made in the past, JV, that feels like too much rugby. Like that, I'd like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, but there's no Premiership Cup. As, as long as we can all stay on lockdown so we can just watch all this rugby, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> 11 weeks, the season is... We can have one game, at, one game at 11 in the morning. One yeah. at one, one at three, one at five, <laughs> one at seven. So you'd have midweek matches and there'd be a match every night. Match every night. And then there'd, there'd be a bonanza of them over the weekend. But you can't and then every by week. week 12 or 13, the whole season would, would be over. I, then they can look at European Cup and then they can look at... It's bonkers, mate. Obviously, you know, as, as you know, it's bonkers. But yeah, <laughs> I prefer it to do it um, fewer games. So, so um, split the league in two, six teams, five play every team once, not home and away once. Um, bit of a look of the draw, like the um, the Six Nations, and then maybe take the top six through to playoffs. So with eleven games, your senior players, your England players. Well, they'd have half the amount of Premiership appearances. You'd start to play all the European games, which yeah. would occur after the, the, the Premiership season. Well, all this, because there's, I mean, one of the big things that we've not touched on in this pod, but we have touched on on previous pods, and is an objective of both the um, potential chairman for World Rugby, is the amalgamation or the, the, the formation of a new world um, global calendar that meets the needs of club domestic players international and I was thinking about that earlier this week and wondering if so is it better to do the northern hemisphere option which your international players get together three times a year so six nations early on summer tours middle um, autumn internationals late on or mm-hmm. do it more like the um the the objective for the southern hemisphere which is you have your block of domestic at the start of the year your super rugby and then you get your internationals together for the remainder of the year and you go into rugby championship and autumn internationals i've got to say hmm, i do like on paper the idea of what the southern hemisphere do that said six nations is sacrosanct to me but you can like it in the autumn it's when it happens six nations in the autumn no, that, sorry, that was just what you said. Sorry, spring. Spring, yeah. I was going to say. Um, I, I think you could do that. 
I mean, there's, you could have the Six Nations in the spring, but then go straight into um, your summer tours or autumn internationals immediately after that, or whatever that World League or whatever the intention for those games is. But keep all your international games in the first half of the year and all your highest level domestic games in the second half of the year. I, I, one thing I do like just as a principle in terms of ramping up would be Premiership first block, then European Cup second block. So then you've gone from 12 to six to the best six. Then you go to six nations where you get the best of those players playing international rugby and then you go to the multinational summer tour. How about, how about this? The first half of the season is two games a week. <laughs> and then, and then the business end extends to a game a week. For the prem, is that the prem? Yeah, and that kicks off after the group stage for the Heineken Cup. So I, I would, I almost like it. Like Tim's, I think, suggesting there, where you have the Premiership done and dusted in, say, three months, then Europe done and dusted in three months or two months, and then your your non-international players can play a Mitre Cup, Curry Cup type lower tier thing and your internationals can go and play the other internationals. Interesting. Well, it's all up for grabs now. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. One thing, we do need to, one thing we do need to touch on before we go is, is apologise for the fact we haven't done a classic game this week. Well, we're going to do it tomorrow. Are we? If, so, I, I watched the Lions... Uh, 2009 second test last night yeah which is what we were going to do because it was on Sky Sports and unfortunately there just isn't a link yeah, to this game. I, no. I can't I can't find I one. can't find one but well, the, sec- the second test between the Lions and South Africa well I know what classic game that we can watch tomorrow <laughs> which one um, it's the Premiership final at Sale Leicester and it's oh. 8 o'clock tomorrow on Sale Sharks live feed <laughs> on the yeah. Facebook, in, fact, in fact, I think I've got the game on on, a, on an MP4 file somewhere, which I can send to you boys. So you can watch it in your leisure. <laughs> Is it available forever afterwards, or do you have yeah, to watch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. Is it? Is it? Is it only? <laughs> like, Is it only a live stream? Then it's gone because otherwise that. That doesn't work. <laughs> As we just found, because with, with South Africa, like the Lions, second test, we you know you would have to have been watching Sky Sports live. Yeah, yes, or, or, um, rec- or record it. I, or record it. I will have I'll have a word with the powers that be and see if I can make it make it make make it happen. Okay. Well, one one thing I was thinking for maybe penance for not for not having done a game this week or not having organised one or balls up having a link for the South Africa uh, Lions second test. I did think maybe as penance we should watch and talk about all or nothing, the New Zealand what documentary on Amazon. Oh, I'd, watch oh. That. I'd do that. I can't, I can't do it. I, I would do that. I'd like but to I mean, do that. <laughs> JB's face right now is meaning I almost, I'm desperate for you to do it and, and talk about it because your face right now. You'd love to, you'd love you'd to You'd love that. to hate it. You Think of all that culture, JB. So are you telling me I've got to watch All or Nothing by, by tomorrow night? No, 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 no. No, by next week. By next no, week. We're, we're watching Sale Leicester next yeah, week. Yeah, we, we, we can do that tomorrow. We can do that tomorrow and we can get that one up. And then, because this is my point. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Sale Leicester is on, is live streamed at eight o'clock tomorrow. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So if, if Sale Leicester is on live streamed tomorrow and it is then available thereafter, we can watch that 
do a little midweek podcast this week ah, about that. I understand. And then yes. ho- home, and then and then you, the big chunk of homework for this time next week is to watch All or Nothing, the New Zealand documentary on Amazon. Get all that culture in you. <laughs> if I have to, I will. You would you'd love it like you loved reading the first hundred pages or so of Stuart Lancaster's book. Oh, oh, um, there was one last thing, which was, <laughs> you know, I mean, how long? Are we, so, so are we, are we, you committed to that then? So we'll do sale yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, midweek this week. So that's on the Sale Sharks uh, Facebook page tomorrow. We'll we'll put a link on our, our Twitter account and stuff, and then watch on Amazon, all or nothing, the New Zealand documentary. Get that, um, but yeah, go on. Now, Perfect. How long, we, how long have we been recording for Tim? About, about an hour and an hour and a quarter, hour and twenty. All right, okay. So yeah, we did an hour and a quarter, some semi rugby chat. Uh, the Sunday Times have run out of things to write about. This is official. <laughs> <laughs> this is worse, worse than right than doing your Lions fifteenth in the Sunday Times their top favourite grounds, their top 10 favourite grounds. I mean, this is like the realm of BuzzFeed in, you know, in the bad old days. Yeah, before BuzzFeed actually became a news organisation. Yeah, top 10 grounds. Well, um, I, I, I'd, I'd put air quotes around that. Uh, yeah, sorry, a news organisation. Yes. So, um, the um, incredible, the unbelievable Stephen Jones has mentioned such grounds as the Tottenham Hotspur ground, which has never played a rugby game. Tim just informed me of, um, uh, of, of this prior to the podcast. That was number five on his top 10, uh, top 10 grounds for rugby is the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And he says, by now, rugby would be inking plans for the first match in the new arena. Saracens v Harlequins. Coronavirus put paid to that. It is an amazing stadium. And I was, was going to be working that game. I was very much looking forward to it. Oh. That oh, would be good. I'd, the, I'd love um, to visit. Don't forget the, the famous rugby stadium, the San Siro. <laughs> there was one game there once. Did that hold a Heineken Cup game? No, it was Italy v New Zealand. Uh, uh, in, okay. Uh, just a, yeah, just a, a rugby game. So we went to the Stadio Olimpico, didn't we? I yes. loved it there. No, I loved it. Can, and just 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 to be clear, um, so the, the the justification for the San Siro being one of the best rugby grounds, Italy staged a successful rugby occasion there against New Zealand. Um, blah 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 blah. But those fortunate enough to see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band play there for nearly four hours will always rank it as deeply spiritual. Oh I mean, I'd love to have seen that gig. To be fair, because Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band notoriously played for they just never just played forever. But, um, Do you know, I, I think oh if, if, if I went to a, a concert that I overran, I'd consider it rude. This is why I don't like concerts. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have plans, I'd want to go for a meal or some drinks afterwards. Four you know, hours one, thing, one thing some bands have started doing, I think they've mainly done it for younger audiences, but uh, and to double up on their money. But actually, it's, I, I, this is what I would do. They're, they've started doing matinee gigs, some bands. So they do one in the okay. early evening, like 5pm. Get you get a whole new crowd. And you come in again for a nine o'clock gig, so you get, like you get a, like a double bubble. Oh, that's hard work. God. Yeah, it's double bubble, but um, but that's I'd do the matinee one because then you know you get and still get to bed at a decent time. So well, people are amazed. I was speaking to someone the, the other day, it wasn't the other day because we've been on been on lockdown, um, and I and I told them 
I've never been to a gig. And they were absolutely astonished that I'd never been to a gig. It does not interest me one single bit. Four hours in there. Just, I can't <laughs> even imagine how bad that, you, that would be. Hang on a minute. You told me you went to a gig. You went, you went to an R. Kelly concert in South Africa. <laughs> in the second test. <laughs> yes. To be fair to um, to be fair to Stephen Jones, he's absolutely right on his number one stadium, which is the uh, Principality Stadium. He's absolutely not. He's not correct on that. That was one of the best. Superb. It's an absolutely superb place to no, watch. No, 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 no. The Rack is the best stadium on the planet, <laughs> including all in all sports. It is the Rack. The Rack is great. The the um the the Marshall Miss the Marcel Michelin. In I've never been there, but I He's, imagine that, that could be number one. You, that yeah, was unreal. You've done it, haven't you, Tim? It was unreal. It was something. It was something else. Ooh, I, I really fancy that. Right? Um, maybe, maybe we, maybe we should just actually do it. We've been talking about doing that for years. Yeah, that should be a good one. Yeah, when, when no, we now, now we get out of lockdown. Yeah, exactly. Because we're not going to take it for granted anymore, are we? Precisely. No. We need to get back to Madrid to the little bowl, the grass yes. bowl, and we need to get to uh, Claremont. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's the highest percentage of Michelin, Michelin star restaurants in the world as well in Claremont but, uh, per capita. Mm. Uh, have you seen? The, so the, there's the Stephen Jones list. The Stuart Barnes list is far superior. It's actually a good list. Does it include the wreck? It must. Be. It does. It yeah. does. It's like Stuart, so Stuart Barnes's number one stadium is the is the Stade Marcel Stade Marcel Michelin. Number two, the Parc de France. Number three, Toman Park. Yeah, that is a wicked place to watch rugby as well. Yeah, the, yeah I'd love to do that as well. Four, the wreck. Five, the National AJ Stadium Bell. in Cardiff. The old... AJ, <laughs> <laughs> AJ Bell, Haywood Road, Edgeley Park. <laughs> uh, wow. Number six, Loftus Versfeld in Pretoria. <laughs> number seven, Kings Park in Durban. Number eight, the Stade Mayol, Toulon. That was pretty cool as well. The one I want to do is in, in France is... Um, oh... Did Stephen Jones misunderstand his brief? Yeah. <laughs> what's the uh, what's what's the, the the French one oh, that Joe Lund- Worsley was a coach at? Oh, um, or is maybe still what team? Uh, is it B? It begins with a B. Bordeaux. 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 Yeah, I want to do Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Uh, Ballymore in Brisbane and number ten, the Principality in Cardiff. Fair play. That is a really good list. That, mm-hmm. that actually reads. That actually reads like um, a list of places I want to go. <laughs> and I can watch rugby. I mean, I could go to the San Siro and not see a game of rugby for the next fifty years. Uh, is it? Is it shutting down the San Siro? Or I think it, it is actually. I think it's been. Um, has it already been shut down? Locked down. Mm. Yeah. One one stadium that I have a real soft spot for because I went to university there, uh, and it's changed. And Sandy Park's brilliant, but the county ground at Exeter, there was something just a little bit special about that. It was so you, so horrible. Uh, it was the great. best ground, or one of the best sporting experiences I've been lucky enough to witness. Salford City Reds against Warrington. Uh, I think the lead changed hands like seven or eight times. At the old place, the, the, what's it called? The, the, Willows. the Willows. Willows. Yeah. What a stadium that is. The Willows. So Willows might be the first proper stadium I went to. I was, I was a Salford Rugby League season ticket holder for a number of years when I was a kid. I nearly got one. I enjoyed it so much there. Um, it's a real spit and sawdust type place, like really yeah. real sawdust. <laughs> yeah. um, the the men's toilets. Have you ever been there, Tim? No. Well, just indulge me for two minutes, then. Yeah, no, no, um, I, I like it. The the back wall 
was the men's toilets. Like, legitimately. There was one brick wall, and there's two gaps, which led you into another brick wall, and, like, a trough, and that was, that was the gents. The, um, the VIP were two port cabins on stilts above two other, <laughs> above two, two, two other port cabins. <laughs> and they had one stand, from what I remember. Well, they, had, you know, they didn't have one stand. They did have four stands. Yeah, but no, three three stands. Three stands, yeah, because the port one end is the clubhouse. Yeah, and there's three stands. One one which was full standing, one which was full seating, and I think one the the end one, the opposite end to the clubhouse, was half and half. Yeah. Oh. So when I went there for that game, uh, there was eleven thousand people in attendance. There's more than that in some of the games as well. I remember watching. Uh, Salford Wigan in the, I'm sure it was a, a cup game when I was about eight years old, and it was rammed, absolutely heathen. Do you know what the... 20,000 people in there. Yeah. More, probably. I know, I know that you know the answer to this, Phil, but uh, Tim, do you know what the record was for people going to watch Bradford Bulls? Bradford Bulls? Yeah. Uh, uh, At Odds- the Oddsall Stadium. Oddsall Stadium, yeah. And I'll give you the opposition as well, Halifax. Local Derby. Local Derby, yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, fifteen thousand. So uh, seventeen thousand. <laughs> Close. Bit, 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 bit more. Add 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 a hundred thousand onto it in your club. What? At the Oddsall Stadium. I think it was a hundred. What? Where? Where were they getting? Was everyone on <laughs> giving shot carries to the to another member of the crowd? Well, I think it was a hundred eight thousand. Yeah, about that. Oh my what? goodness. <laughs> One hundred eight thousand went on Bradford Halifax. Wow! Right, so you've just g- give me an idea. So we've got the um, for our penance and to get some culture. Do you know what? For our penance, we should watch Bradford Halifax. We're gonna watch it. Well, so we're gonna watch All or Nothing. We're gonna we're gonna watch um, Sale v Leicester on the Sale Sharks Facebook page tomorrow. And what I just I'd put an appeal out because we're missing grounds and live rugby. 
a sort of poetic description of your favourite rugby ground. Ooh, so, sometimes the okay. sometimes the 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 bad some the sort of bad or the run down descriptions can be brilliant. So if the, if there's a ground you love, your local club ground or a ground you remember from the past, do, do it. Just send it to us in a sort of poetic fashion, and because um, that description of um, the willows is loved it, <laughs> loved it. It was a, an amazing ground, an amazing, an incredible ground. experience going there. That's yeah. right, an incredible experience. An unbelievable experience. <laughs> Genuinely unbelievable. <laughs> Our email address is contacteggchasers at gmail.com. That's contacteggchasers at gmail.com. I think, I think we're done. Perfect. Yeah, done. Sweet. Good stuff. Have a, have a lovely week. Um, what, what, yes. cro- what, cro- what home CrossFit box session have you got planned for tomorrow, JB? I don't know. I like to plan them with my coffee outside. So I can't, I'll kind of think about it. And they're not all that CrossFit-y. Quite a lot of them. Well, yeah, no, they are actually. They are. And also, I put I put it on I put it on the whiteboard too, like like competing. (laughs) There are literally thousands of um, free CrossFit sessions. There are on the internet. Yeah, I'm gonna now go for a five k run. Now, Now. right now. Fair play, Tim. Are you going to be doing any more rowing this week? Um, No, because I've had I've I'm decorating. My daughter's bedroom, so her bed has been dismantled, and before it gets sold on Gumtree, it's in my room, so I can't put the rower down now. So I've oh. so I'm uh, I'll be doing another another cycle tomorrow. I think. Did Did you see um, Chris Bentley? Yes, Exeter. Chris Bentley did a, did a, did a one hour row maximum distance for in one hour rather than it being a distance in the fastest time. This was a time how far can you row? And he did over sixteen thousand meters in an hour with with, then, with an average split time of things like one fifty one point eight something like that over an hour, which is so. Is that stupid? Awesome. Is that good? That's really good. Very very good. Very um, good, and, and his stroke rate was twenty-one strokes per minute, which shows that he was. So I, I rode a little bit at university, and, and when you get the technique right on a rower, that's part of it. And when when you see someone doing high um, splits with a low stroke rate, it, they've just they've got they'll have bang on technique and long levers as well helps. Yeah, do you know who is a superb rower? Allegedly, um, uh, Courtney Laws, rugby player. Yeah. 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 Uh, second, Matt, second rules Matt Simmons oh well he he was a rower wasn't he yeah he was an actual rower and he said like the levels of fitness he achieved rowing oh, were far in excess of what he achieves playing rugby yeah but it, it, it's in terms of a fitness thing it is so single dimensional like um, you just have a the huge huge yeah. engine his power and engine compared to rugby which is there are a lot more facets to it. So what, it one, one brilliant documentary. Uh, I don't know if it's on the internet or something, but going for gold, the, the, I think it was a three episode documentary leading up to the Sydney Olympics. And it was following the great British four, Redgrave, Pinson, Tim Foster and James Cracknell. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was amazing that there are times when they do their rowing tests on the rowing machine and oh, God. they, they finish it and they, have literally not even got the energy left to keep their body upright. They just collapse. Collapse. And they look look like they're dead. I watched the CrossFit documentary or a CrossFit CrossFit documentary last night, the night before, um, about the the Abu Dhabi... Apparently you you burn like um, 
hundreds of calories just by watching it. Yeah. Psychosomatic. They've got, they've got one workout called the acid bath, which is just the three concept machines. So the concept two row or whatever it is, the ski machine or something else. Yeah. And uh, when these guys are finishing it, and you know how fit they are, they, they're crawling over the finish line. They're getting off this... Um, this cross training. I don't know what the, what's the little war bikey thing. I don't know. Oh, what the, the, the oh, oh the uh, attack bike. Yeah, or the, the what what bike or attack bike or one of the two. Yeah. The one with the forward and back hand thing. Yeah, that's the one. So they the come hand, the that. hands move and the pedals. Yeah, that's that's the last of the three exercises, and they come off it and they crawl over the line. It looks disgusting. It's called the acid bath. Yeah, those things are horrible. If you, you you will have done far more of this uh, than me, Tim. But like. Um, we used to do um, competitive um, 10 lots of um, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. And you're against a partner and you're trying to get the, the highest total distance. And when, you can do it on your own and you can push yourself kind of hard. But when you know it's competitive, oh, it's horrendous. It is horrendous. It really kills you. I never want to do an attack bike ever again. <laughs> right. All or nothing by next week, everyone. At contact at edchasers.com with your thoughts. Uh, Sale versus Leicester 2006 Premiership Final on the Sale Sharks Facebook page tomorrow night and or at any point afterwards on that site. And then any thoughts you have, contact edchasers at, uh, at gmail.com or at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Slide into the DMs. He's at Moore. I'm at Cocker. Phil, he'll let you know where he is. Um, and that's that. Good. I can't believe we chatted for so long. I can. Some I'm of it was all right go. as well. Some of it was all right. Some of it was Nice one. Take care, gents. Cheers, guys. See you on the next one. Laters. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.